0: Hey everybody, welcome to the BetUS NFL show. I'm your host Matt Landis, joined by expert football handicappers Las Vegas Chris on your left and Scott Kellen on your right if you're watching us on YouTube. Today we keep the division previews rolling. It's a focus on the NFC North. But guys, before we dig in, we've gotten some quarterback news this week. Sounds like Denver is going the safer route with Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints shooting for some upside with Jameis Winston.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting, Matt. Uh, Like you said, um, the Saints have gone with the upside, Uh, maybe more mistakes with Winston, of course, but clearly much more upside. These two teams are very interesting because uh, both quarterbacks kind of represent similar things. And then, of course, Bridgewater, like you said, is a safer side where Drew Locke, you know, would have been more of the upside potential, but also coming with, you know, potentially plenty of mistakes as well. The other thing that I thought was interesting, and, and you guys tell me if I'm mistaken on this, it seemed like that line for denver in week one against the giants was minus one and as soon as they announced bridgewater that went to two and a half clearly the market's saying they like that move at least from a betting perspective and probably just speaking to the consistency and the stability that you know you're getting out of bridgewater even though it may lack some of the upside potential
2: yeah i I agree with you uh i noticed that line move uh uh, myself yesterday and it, 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 I saw it tick up to two and then today I noticed two and a half popping up. I, I'm kind of surprised about that. Uh, frankly, I thought uh, the Giants would get more love and and game day. I think we might see that line come down regardless because I don't think the betting public is going to respect Denver on the road laying points. but I think they made the right move with Bridgewater. I expected uh I, I, actually, I didn't expect Bridgewater, but I was kind of in the back of my head saying, you know, maybe they should go with the safer guy that's not gonna make any excuses or make mistakes and such like that. And then as far as the Saints, I had fully expected them to go to Winston. That's no surprise, but what bothers me is seeing something today that, uh, and I, I only saw one blip of it, uh, uh, that uh, uh, Hill, you know, doesn't want to stick around. If he's not going to be a starting quarterback, he wants to go someplace that uh, he can start. And if that's true, uh, you know, that, that's a bummer because uh, I think the Saints have a, you know enough quality in their program, it would be disappointing to see some sort of added pressure after what we already have uh, going on with that club.
0: Yeah, well, Taysom Hill obviously better than 99.999% of the population when it comes to playing quarterback, but in the NFL there are 32 of these starting jobs to go around and not quite sure he warrants one of those spots. So we'll see what kind of upside the Saints can tap into with Winston this year. Obviously it could be a lot of living and dying by his antics at times and his risk tolerance. And to uh, quickly circle back on that Giants line for week one facing Denver, you guys mentioned now it's in the two, two and a half range. I also see in a game like that with a total of 42 and a half, the consensus right now across the market. And uh, the Giants are in that sweet spot where you could maybe tease them up through a touchdown and Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, it might be a swing in the Broncos favor in the market size, but he's also a lower variance option. And when you're teasing an underdog up lower variance, plus a lower total and the game can work in your favor. So something worth keeping in mind as we inch our way closer to week one when the games count. For now, we've got a little bit more time in the preseason and uh, we're gonna use that to our advantage here to provide a comprehensive preview of the NFC North here at BetUS where the game begins. But before we kick things off, make sure you sign up today at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 to claim your 125% sign-up bonus exclusive for sports betting Good up to two thousand five hundred dollars to take advantage of the offer and get info on the terms and conditions check out the link below this video and while you're at it you can subscribe to the BetUS youtube channel and you know the drill from there go ahead and hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on any of the exclusive content we'll be posting and if you enjoy this video go ahead and give us a thumbs up all right and on that note i think we're clear to start diving into the nfl north We'll begin as we do here in alphabetical order, and that takes us to the Chicago Bears. We can take a look at some of their odds for the upcoming season. And I think here the focus can be on that regular season win number, seven and a half, just a touch of juice to the under. And Scott, when it comes to the Bears this season, the biggest factor, what's going on at quarterback between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields?
1: yeah i think uh, you know it's kind of one of those uh, obviously dalton the veteran um the safer move of course everybody wants to see justin fields though with all the upside potential i'm looking at the bear's schedule uh buy comes in week 10 so that's pretty late uh to insert justin fields who we know ultimately is going to be there it's just a matter of you know how long does it take for him to get in there you know they they start out with the rams cincinnati cleveland detroit vegas then green bay and then it's Green Bay, Tampa, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. My goodness, that's a tough schedule in the middle. Um, you know, they're going to hang on to Dalton until there's a reason not to. And that's just, I think, just becomes a question of when is that time? Because uh, obviously we know at some point here, Fields is going to be the quarterback. Everyone wants to see him. And that's the long-term plan. They didn't draft him to sit on the bench. I, I would be shocked. If he sat on the bench for a year, this is not Patrick Mahomes. It's not Brett Favre when Rodgers got drafted. So, uh, you know, at some point we're going to see him. It's it's just a matter of when and how soon.
0: Yeah, Chris, what do you make of the quarterback situation in Chicago? I I think I think
2: Dalton gets a bad rap. I've seen uh, I saw on Colin Cowherd where they were doing these uh, blind comparison tests on stats, and uh, Dalton compares very well with some very notable quarterbacks across the league. I I think he's underappreciated and uh, uh, he was doing okay last year until he had the COVID situation. And when he came back, he had the the lingering effects on that. And uh, that wasn't a good situation in there for him in Dallas. So, I you know, he can get by. And now he's looked horrible this year. So, but there's no way Fields isn't going to end up in the lineup. Everybody's, uh, you know, in a hurry to get him in there and they'd rather see him struggle knowing that he's the future. Uh, I, I feel a little bit differently. Well, why Why do you want to put young quarterbacks in front of bad offensive lines? So that's what really scares me about the Brown, or I mean the, uh, the Bears. Uh, looking last year, it was really strange how the Bears evolved last year with my math metrics because There were high aspirations for the Bears last year. A lot of people were going, uh, were overvaluing them. And my metrics had them really, really bad early in the season. And so I was able to make good money on them last year. Uh, I think it went six and three on them last year. Yeah, six and three. So, but then it switched. And it was really funny because they actually, when everybody started to give up on them, they actually subtly got really good and they ended up finish finishing, believe it or not, just a reminder, I did win, I had a good record, so the, these aren't silly stats. They actually finished higher than the Browns on my final rankings by one spot. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but we know you had the Browns like
1: 29th or something, right? I'm kidding. No, no, no. But
2: I I couldn't believe it. I mean, because you know what, when the season was over, uh, we went right into the playoffs, I never really dissected how everybody finished at the end of last year. So I had fun with that. Uh, and I'm like looking at and I'm preparing. I go, these guys are never going to believe the Bears have finished higher uh, than the Browns. So that's just a starting point on on metrics on how I look uh, each season or, or each week. So uh, quite the oddity there.
0: Yeah, well, Chris, if you want to go uh, head-to-head on regular season wins this season, the Bears versus the Browns, uh, I'll give you whatever you want on Chicago. And uh, Scott, maybe we can look at uh, Chicago, some of the underlying metrics building on what Chris was saying. If we dig into their Pythagorean record last year, their record in close games, that might be a little bit informative as to what we can look out for them moving forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So they they win eight games last year, which is just very interesting. This means nothing other than I don't think people would really expect this out of Matt Nagy, but he actually has won eight or more games in every year that he's coached all three years. It's kind of kind of surprising. But if we look at that, uh, their Pythagorean theorem last year was 8.1. If we extrapolate that out over 17 games, it's 8.6, so pretty good. Uh, a little fortunate in the close games, six and four. Uh, but they do have a very, very tough schedule this year, ranked ninth. And if we look at you know the the sportsbooks that have set lines in every game this year, we can see Chicago is at uh, an expected win rate of 6.8. And Chris spoke about them last year, um, you know, they they got to a point where they had a pretty easy schedule and, and I took advantage of them as well. Trubisky came in and played well um, and, you know, they took advantage of that. But we can see here the schedule rank being ninth, uh, they're going to face a much more difficult schedule this year uh, than they did last year, Matt.
0: Yeah, and I think we talked about their quarterback situation, their offense right off the top, but also defensively they're dealing with some turnover. Notably, Kyle Fuller departing, reuniting with Vic Fangio in Denver. Uh, We might not want to overlook some potential depth concerns for the secondary when it comes to Chicago this year
1: yeah they and and, you know i was trying to look back because it it seems like they've lost a few players you know amos went to green bay a couple years ago so they kind of slowly but surely started to lose some people on the defensive side urban um you know at at defensive tackle he had a pretty good year for him last year they lost him and of course charles uh left at left tackle so you know as chris said earlier the offensive line uh wasn't great last year and it might even be worse this year as well so They've also lost some key people there, uh, more so maybe uh, as far as key people on the defensive side, but on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, and Chris, not just offense and defense, but from a coaching standpoint, there's some question marks here, too. Well, you
2: know, just touching back on the schedule, though, this is really bizarre. Did anybody notice that they don't have a two game home stand or two game road stand? They go home away the entire season. so. Uh, I, I thought that that was kind of odd, uh, but uh, not only are they playing this the tougher schedule, like Scott mentioned, they're minus fourteen unrest advantage, which is uh, second worst in the league. They they really just have some really bad scheduling quirks throughout. Uh, but getting back to uh, Nagy, he you know he came over from Kansas City. He's supposed to be this offensive guy, and it just hasn't shown. And it was so bad last year that he actually gave up the play calling. And that's when the team actually got good. So that's when they perked up and that's when they started to do better. His job is on the line now. So what does he do? He, he goes back to he's going to be the play caller again this year. So uh, he, he's either going to crash and burn and go down with the ship or uh, I, I, somehow he's going to, you know, be able to manage the play calling. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. I, I, they, they spent their money to get a, an extra, you know, to, I think they overspent on a running back, which they didn't need. They've got three solid running backs, but they've got the weak offensive line and uh, they've got a disgruntled wide receiver who's not happy to be there. And the, def- the defense has gotten worse each of the last few years, progressively. These guys are aging, their efficiency isn't there. Uh, but, you know, are they going to be able to turn it around against a much tougher schedule? I, you know, it, I don't know. I mean, so it, it just, what I'm looking at there is just how, you know, week after week after week of facing tough teams and, you know, aging players, we'll just have to see. Yeah, yeah I he, here's.
1: Uh, I was just going to say, just adding on to that, Matt, you know, if we look last year, Uh, Well, let's go this year. First of all, first of all, Chicago's got 10 games against teams projected to win eight and a half or more wins. Only three of those games are against teams projected um, below seven wins on their 17 game schedule. Uh, And that's Detroit twice and Cincinnati. Um, And they've got seven games projected against teams to win 10 plus games this year. So it gets really, really tough for them. And that's interesting to me because last year they were seven and two straight up first losing teams. But seven of those games were against teams that won less than six games. So they had a really, really easy schedule last year, and they were only one in seven straight up against teams, uh, winning teams last year. So now you add all these uh, very good teams with 10 plus more wins projected uh, along with the middle of the road teams, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaning under on their season
2: wins here just because of the schedule factor, uh, if nothing else i'm I'm leaning under uh, on them also and and here's another team with with special teams issues. Uh, they only had fifty one percent of their kickoffs go for touchbacks. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, they only uh, uh, their punt return defense was atrocious and they had the one of the very best kickoff return guys he's gone this season. so, Uh, They were already a low rated special teams unit and they've lost their their best kickoff returner. Uh, It's something to look at there.
0: Yeah, well, I, I know that both of you guys are leaning under and while we touched on off the top, there is a lot to look forward to in the future with Justin Fields. He could be a dynamic playmaker and really change things for the Bears, but we're not sure. A for when we'll see that this season. So, with both of you leaning under on Chicago, before we move on from them, is there anything that could happen between now and week one that might nudge you over the edge to actually bet the under?
1: I don't think so on my side. I don't, I mean, obviously, if the name number went up to eight or something, but that's, you know, clearly probably not happening. So, uh, nothing for me.
2: I, I may I may pull the trigger. I came very close. I've, I've come very close to punching in some futures this past week on a few teams. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to wait. I mean, there's no rush to do it.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Well, I think uh, that's plenty of food for thought as far as the Bears are concerned. And we can move on to our next team in the NFC North. That would be the Detroit Lions. We can take a look at their odds for the 2021 campaign. Uh, courtesy of Bet US, and again, I think we can focus here more on the regular season win number. It's only at five, and it's juiced to the under, minus 125 VIG attached to the Lions under five, and Chris, we'll tee you up as the resident Lions fan for Detroit this year. It's out with Matt Patricia and Matthew Stafford, in with Dan Campbell and Jared Goff.
2: Well, everybody's uh, making a big deal about Goff. And now we were happy that Stafford went. We, we you know we knew that there we had to do we had to do some sort of a rebuilding. So we were ha- Stafford was so loved. I, there may be more Lions fans than you could possibly imagine running for the Rams this year. So it, it's sort of like when Verlander left. Uh, you know, okay, we, we're we don't you know you're not LeBron. We're not ha- we're not unhappy you left. We want success for you. So as far as we're as far as we're concerned golf is just a bonus because we got two first round draft picks from the rams coming up and a third round draft pick that's not bad and uh the the fact that we have a quarterback on top of it to to go through this bridge gap year we get draft picks again next year the next two years we're pretty loaded with draft picks we can get a quarterback next year so uh the what's really notable here is how many people are gone? I mean, we don't need to rehash that, but they've lost 11,000 snaps. Think about that, 11,000 snaps are gone. So you're looking at an entirely different team and there are a couple diamonds in the rough. Everybody likes Dan Campbell. They love Dan Campbell. Okay, you know, he may be ridiculed, you know, for some of the comments that he's made and such, but he's got that team really optimistic you know the patricia was such a black cloud and he wasn't he wasn't liked and the defensive schemes that they were trying to run they couldn't understand it they could never they were just lost so uh it's some things to consider there is is there could be a lot of value when spirits are high and uh, i i think the spirits are going to be high for detroit at least but uh, what, uh, what, what do you say, Scott, about uh, your perspective as an outsider or looking at the Lions and their prospects? Well, I, I would say this, Chris, you know, for about 10 years,
1: I sat next to a gentleman here in Vegas watching um, the games every Sunday. And he used to cover the Lions. So he has given me great insight to this organization. And it's just a horrible organization. So I think the first thing I'd have to say is, you I, I gotta see it i remember i you know it was three four years ago and the lions were doing okay and he said scott the lions will not win another game the rest of this year and there was like six or seven games to go and i think they lost all but one of them uh potentially so and, and but i do agree with you it looks like campbell is uh potentially a good leader that's to be determined but you know on the surface it looks like that and i also agree that early on if they like him that can be some positives but then when i look at their schedule san francisco green bay and baltimore are out of the gates um, you know that's that's not an easy schedule to get going. So uh, look, they're they're in rebuild mode. You know, golf is not horrible. Um, you know, it's it's just a like you said, it's just a complete rebuild mode here. And and you know, the better the leader is that Campbell is, then you know maybe the better we'll see
2: out of the Lions as a whole. Well, I think it gives them the 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 whole year to just you know basically get their feet wet and and try a lot of different things. Uh, There are some good parts to this team. I mean, if you're in fantasy and you don't have Hawkinson, uh, you know, that's the guy you want. And uh, uh, he's going to get lots and lots and lots of balls thrown at him because they don't have any receivers. In fact, somebody was arguing, and they're probably right, that the Ohio State Buckeyes have a better wide receiving core than the Detroit Lions. So, you know, that's pretty ugly. And they're gonna have to do something. I mean, they literally have nobody. Who can name a receiver on the Lions? Nobody. I'll guarantee you 99 out of 100 NFL fans can't name a single receiver for the Lions. And it is that bad. Uh, But uh, the offensive line is gonna be one of the top five offensive lines in the NFL by as early as next year, within the next couple of years they are pretty darn good and they're actually their actual front seven on defense is pretty good but the secondary is, is is was just non-existent and they lost some of those guys so uh they're gonna they're gonna give up some points but they may actually score some points uh I worry about DeAndre Swift though a lot of people don't realize how good he was last year and I can't remember the metric I saw but he was like one of only two players to have a certain amount of uh, uh, catches out of the backfield uh, and uh, carries and but there's something up with him they haven't been playing him so if you're fantasy make sure you know uh, that you've looked into that because there there's just something they're not telling us uh, with some nagging concern so something to look out for there. Hey Chris
1: I want to ask you about the offensive line uh, you know they allowed 2.63 socks per game last year so they were very bad of course um, so, you know, first of all, to say they're going to improve, you know, I start to question that, but on the other side, I'm, you know, I'm looking at their starters, um, Taylor Decker, not bad at left tackle. Obviously the rookie, we don't know what's going to happen at right. Tackle with Sewell, uh, and Ragnow is a, I think a, a pretty dang good center. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of interested in why is it because of like, maybe those three names I mentioned off that you rattled off that you think their offensive line is going to be drastically better.
2: Well, yeah. they, they, You know, Ragnow is considered by some as the best center in the NFL. And Sewell was, you know, he's the big stud. Uh, And the the other guys are, uh, you know, I don't follow the offensive line closely. I'm just, but Everywhere I hear, they say this is going to be great. Even even peripheral guys that ridicule the Lions, you know, always throwing that ad on, well, oh, that offensive line is going to be good. So <laughs> I'm I'm parroting some somewhat, so yeah. to speak, uh, when it comes to that. Uh, and the other bright spot is is their special teams. They were number three in the NFL in special teams. They've got a, a great punter, uh, and uh, but their kicking game this year, oh boy, they they got rid of Prater. Prater only made 75 percent of his field goals last year, so they, they, something had to give. But they've got two kickers that are are not good. They're having problems making forty, you know, kicks in the forties. So we're used to having kickers that are making you know kicks in the fifties. So without that, that's going to change the scoring form. Well, and, and I'll just say this, too. I
1: mean, you talked about their secondary uh, last year. You know, they they only got one and a half sacks per game, which just tells me that they're getting no pressure up front as well. So, I mean, those are the things that I'm looking for this year. Is anything drastically changing from this team in some of those regards? Like you said, the secondary is not good. Uh, no pressure up front. Offensive line allowing a lot of stack, sacks. Now, maybe that's scheme related. You know, we'll we'll find out. But those are some of the things that I would be looking at for them to see if we're going to get any improvement on this team at all.
2: Well, they did you know, their their, uh, CUDA uh, was out. There was their top stud secondary receiver or cornerback from Ohio State. And cornerbacks by far the hardest position to transition to the NFL with. So you've got to give them, cut them a little bit of slack. And I heard a podcast with him where he was really, really uh, mature. He, goes, he knows what he screwed up. He just didn't have the right perspective. He worked out too much, and by the time the season came, he didn't understand the rigors of the long season. So those are things that he's going to be changing this year. He has got a great attitude. I, I do worry, though, that uh, some of the beat writers are saying he's still a step slow. So uh, that that scares me just a little bit, but he's got the right attitude.
0: Chris, was that podcast, by any chance, The Daily Stoic?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what other NFL shows will uh, will mention a podcast called The Daily Stoke and Breaking Down Teams, but that was a really <laughs> impressive interview. It was good to get a glimpse at Okuda beyond the X's and O's and, and just into his personality. And regardless of what he will or won't do on the field, it made him, I think, a lot easier to root for. So, yeah, I listened to that as well, and I, I had some similar takeaways. And I think we have a, a an interesting juxtaposition here with what we've talked about so far with Detroit, because on one hand, a lot of rebuilding going on. Um, Chris, you mentioned their draft prospects for the future. It looks like they they could be reloading in a a pretty decent way in the coming years. And at the same time with a guy like Dan Campbell, I I feel like previous coaches of his level of intensity, it seems like the kind of thing that gets a lot of buy-in pretty quickly, but if it doesn't go well, and sometimes even if it does, look at Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, it can wear thin. So I almost wonder if we might see paths cross where the rebuild starts to bulk up the roster and, you know, Dan Campbell might wear out his welcome if he keeps things at such a, you know, intense level. How do you feel about that?
2: Well, you know, it's not just Dan Campbell. I saw a quote yesterday. I'd never heard of this guy, Aubrey Pleasant. I had to actually look him up. And he's a, defense, a defensive back coach or something like that. And and, and players are making a comment that, they love this guy, he brings a huge intensity to him and uh, just a great motivator. So, you know, Dan Campbell's putting, you know, you know, player, you know, coaches on the team that are like that.
0: Yeah, it'll be, I, I think my biggest thing to watch is probably gonna be um, what happens again, quarterback just being as important as it is. Jared Goff going from Sean McVay to a combination of Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn, even this preseason, I mean, as a Chargers fan, this sounds familiar to me, Lynn, uh, Seemingly still too run heavy on first down, struggling to manage the clock. Goff seems like he's serviceable if everything is set up right for him. I'm uh, especially doubtful that we're going to see much of it this year, but again, long-term prospects for the Lions might be looking up. But in 2021, Chris, I'm, I'm glad you said they have a good punter because they, they might need to put him to some pretty hefty use.
2: Well, the, 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 I did for, forget to mention one of the worst comments I saw is, is, is the writers re- are referring to Goff as timid. So, and, and we know that uh, McVeigh was primary play caller for him. And, and if he wasn't being told the plays, he was a little bit lost. So I, we don't have high expectations for our timid guy. So it, if you, we don't have any expectations. You can't bet this team over, that's for sure. The only, way, the only direction to look is under. I mean, they really could just, their schedule is so difficult. It's one of the top five worst schedules I think it was like number two or number three. They're not going anywhere. So the you, 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 the only way you can look on this is 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 under and have no expectations. Just observe.
0: Yeah. Well, Scott, we've gotten some really good insight from Chris as a Lions fan, also obviously with his sharp betting acumen. Um, but in terms of those expectations, what do you numbers say we can look for from them in 2021 based on? Uh, Maybe some numbers last year that might have skewed their results one way or the other.
2: Yeah,
1: if we if we look at the uh, Pythagorean theorem numbers on this one, uh, Matt, they win five games last year. Um, that translated to about five point one in the uh, Pythagorean theorem number. We extrapolate that out over seventeen games. That was really about five point four, uh, pretty close to where their number is set this year uh, as well. So. And I think in lucky win or close close games, they were just looking here four and four. Um, so nothing, you know, shocking there. But again, as Chris said, uh, you know, I've got them rated as a six toughest schedule, 10 games against teams projected to win eight and a half games or more, uh, and that's pretty tough. So we can see there, um, just looking 5.1, as I mentioned, that extrapolates out to 5.4 very close in the close games, four and four at 500. Um, And if you look at all their lines for this year, we can see that uh, translates to 4.7. And I think we saw the over-under number was five, uh, shaded uh, about 25 cents to the under, which is right about where the 4.7 lines up. So uh, to me, it's it's a neutral play for me um, with the Lions. It's very hard to go under five wins in my mind, uh, but you certainly can't play them over. And like I said, I'm just looking at the schedule. San Francisco, Green Bay, Baltimore—just out of the gates. Um, you know, there's Cleveland in there, Green Bay again, Seattle. Uh, it's not an easy schedule.
2: You know, and it, it's—I it, try not to. I I, I like the Lions too much, so I feel like I'm slanted, and I just kind of try not to bet on anything that's not model related. But as a fan, I look at this, and I don't know where they get the wins. I, how are they? Where are they going to get even three wins? I don't. You know, they look like a two-win team to me, and I'm seeing that as a Lions fit, but maybe I'm just too close. I don't know, but I kind of just try to stay away from any arbitrary decisions on betting with my home teams.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair, and, and a wise man once told me, Chris, that we get surprised every year. So we, we don't need to be surprised when the teams we think are are going to be bad, turn out to be good and vice versa. But something I think I might revisit when we talk about Houston next week, when we get those surprises every year, um, you know, even bad teams win sometimes, and the Lions might still be bad like we think they will be, and, and this number is so low. So I think, like Scott said, a lot of it is ultimately baked into the price at this stage. Yeah. All right, on that note, I think uh, we've covered some ground on Detroit and Chicago. Some better teams coming up, uh, the first of which would be the favorite in the division, the Green Bay Packers. We can take a look at their numbers for the season. And uh, this is the first Super Bowl contender we're touching on today, so we might as well mention that number as well. 12 to 1 at BetUS, the current offering for the Packers to win the Super Bowl, 6 to 1 to win the NFC minus 175 so a fairly heavy favorite to win the division and the regular season win total number reflects that as well 10 and a half juiced to the over and scott we know that aaron Rodgers and the skill positions are outstanding in green bay but the offensive line might end up being the x factor for those super bowl aspirations
1: yeah, I think it's a big question mark. I don't know, and, and I'd be interested to hear from you guys if you've heard anything um, as far as win, Bach, TR. He's going to come back, left tackle. He might be the best left tackle in the league. He got hurt, I think it was in the Rams game in the playoffs last year. Um, that's So that's huge, obviously. Uh, and then Corey Lindsley, their center, uh, he is now with the Chargers, so they draft Josh Myers, a center out of Ohio State, which ironically, that's where Lindsley came from as well so we'll see you know how that position plays out at center and right tackle you know we're gonna see i mean that thing uh you know brian balaga was there a few years ago he left uh before last year uh they had you know some other people there last year that aren't here this year so this offensive line is very questionable to me now as i've said in previous shows a good quarterback a good system can overcome a bad offensive line and the Packers you know they've had they haven't always had great offensive lines on their team in in the past um so Rodgers can probably camouflage a lot of that but that will be one of the main things that I'm paying attention to as the season gets going
0: yeah I'm really curious to see the impact that the offensive line question marks could have on Rodgers of course we're just guessing now the offensive line might be all right Bakhtiari might return to form Uh, you know, right off the bat, so we'll see. But with those excellent skill positions, I mean, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, it doesn't get much better than that for elite receivers and running backs to surround Aaron Rodgers with. But if protection's an issue, uh, I mean, Rodgers has a track record of throwing the ball away incredibly often when the offensive line is problematic. And another aspect of the Packers' offense, I'm really curious about this season. Kind of flipping uh, the coin on a previous element we've discussed on this show with other teams, where if they can just be below average in certain areas, that would represent an improvement. I think of Washington's quarterback situation or the Chargers' special teams. You know, if they can just if they can just be 24th in the league, that might set them up for success given the strengths elsewhere on those rosters. Uh, on the flip side, for Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers could still be a leap this season but it's almost certainly gonna be a downgrade no matter what coming off a historic 2020. So they're gonna need to make up that ground in some other areas.
2: Well, oh, go ahead, Chris. 48 touchdowns and only five interceptions. I I mean, he went halfway through the season without an interception, if I remember correctly. So uh, 71% completions, how how can you repeat that? So we already know that there's gonna be regression. You're not gonna be able to match that. Uh, The other thing that went, you know, their field goal kicking 16 out of 16, perfect right there. Uh, Their third down conversion rate was 49%. Uh, Are they going to be able to do that again this year? I I don't know. For me, I don't know what it is, but I kind of had Green Bay off in this little, you know, category where, oh, they're just going to be Green Bay. You know, they're going to be good. You know, you don't even want to actually do a deep dive on them because you feel like you already know. You know what they are and what they're going to be, and the, they it, it's it's going to be a little bit interesting this year because their schedule is harder this year than it was last year, and they finished the season with four out of five games on the road. So it's going to be tricky. They were they were they were up there in the rankings for me last year uh, at number six, the third the third best offense, but their defense was okay at 13th. But now the competition is going to get tough well and, and i'll you know i'll just
1: say first of all i follow the packers kind of like you follow the lions chris uh and i've said this always and this goes back to 1996 when they you know won that super bowl with Favre, and then of course in 2010 with Rodgers. uh as far as this defense goes is as far as this uh, team will go uh and you know In 96, they gave up the fewest points in the league. And and, in 2010, they gave up like 15 points a game, were remarkable on the turnover thing. And remember, you know, with Rodgers two years ago, they win 13 games and, but they were about average from the line of scrimmage. They were not really above average at all. Um, And then obviously last year they were fantastic and they win 13 games as well. So they've done it both ways, but a lot of that, like you said, they've had fairly easy schedules. Now it's it's a little hard because you can say well they played the Bears who were 500. Well you know what they beat the Bears twice so they they add to make these teams look average because they're beating these teams so it impacts the other teams' records. But they really have had fairly easy schedules and this year it appears that it'll be a little bit tougher schedule and you know we'll we'll see how they react to that because um, it doesn't look like it's going to be quite as easy as some previous years.
2: Yeah, I actually have a note here that says that they have the largest schedule shift from easy to hard. So they had the widest swing out of all 32 teams. So uh, uh, one other side note, uh, I was reading through my uh, my buddy's draft notes. He says uh, Amari Rodgers is going to be a real key for the uh, their third round pick. Uh, he could be a real key for that offense. Uh, 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 so keep your eyes out on him.
0: Scott, I know that we talked uh, in some earlier previews about the Packers being the uh, poster child for regression last year. That didn't really happen from a Pythagorean standpoint. If you took the under on Green Bay, it doesn't matter how good of a number you've got. It seemingly never had a chance. When we look at their Pythagorean numbers from 2020, how does that inform your approach to them for 2021?
1: Yeah, so they they win 13 games last year. Their Pythagorean number was 109 we extrapolate that out over 17 games, it's 11.6. So they, they overachieved, but you know, they were only three and two in close games. So it's not like they got super lucky in those games, um, but they, they certainly did overachieve. Um, and if we look, you know, from a schedule standpoint, kind of in the middle of the road, we're seeing 19th there um, and looking at their projected lines, uh, they would win about 10.7 games. The two other points that I just looked at, Lafleur has been there for two years. They are 11 and 1 straight up within the division uh, in the two years that Lafleur's been there, so they are dominating the division. Whatever that might mean, for, you know, uh, we we know they're obviously heavily heavily favorites to win this division. But the other thing I looked at is they're 7 and 6 straight up versus uh, winning teams, and 21 and 2 straight up versus 500 or losing teams. And Chris hit on this earlier uh, uh, just a few minutes ago. They got 10 games against teams projected to win eight and a half games or more. And obviously that could look much different by the end of the season, but you know they're about 500 against really good teams and they dominate the bad teams, but they're in theory, potentially gonna see more of the good teams this year. And so when I started kind of working all those numbers, it got me right back to about 10 and a half, which is kind of where this number was, because originally I was thinking like, if they win a division, how can they not go 11 and six at least? But you know when you start to factor in a little bit tougher schedule, uh, the number seems to be
2: about right for me. They face the top five schedule of uh, defense or offenses or defenses uh, both against the pass and against the run. So uh, we're gonna see how good their offense is pretty fast.
0: Yeah, and Chris, to your earlier point, and I think, Scott, you brought it up too, that could put some extra pressure on the defense if the offense, again, the true talent could be just as good as it was last year, but the results might show a bit of regression. On the defensive side, they have a new defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. He comes over um, under the Brandon Staley coaching tree with the Rams. Obviously a big calling card there was deception. And yeah, you don't have a talent like Aaron Donald's up front for the Packers, but there are some pretty good players there do you expect the Packers defense, Scott, to maybe keep opponents on their heels more than in previous years under the Joe Barry regime for their defense?
1: Yeah, I think they've got some potential, know, I'm just pulling them up here, too. So, And, and don't forget, Jared Alexander, one of the cornerbacks, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Uh, just looking here, uh, you know, last year, uh, he was fantastic. Kevin King had that debacle, of course, in the playoffs, but they also drafted... Um, Eric Stokes with their first draft pick, so another cornerback. So if he can materialize and he ends up being very good along with Alexander, they've got pretty good safeties. um they have the chance to, you know, get some pressure on the quarterback. If they can do all that, yeah, I think this defense uh, could be very good for them. And and that's really what they need. They need this defense to get to the next level, in my opinion. And then, you know, they could they could run through this league potentially. And it's, it's it sounds funny saying that for a team who's gone to the NFC Championship game so often in the last you know, whatever it is five, six, seven years. But, you know, last year I thought they actually finally had a chance, uh, but obviously Tampa Bay had other uh, ideas there. But um, they just need that defense to step up. They do have some pieces there. If Stokes is the right draft pick, uh, I think this defense could even get better.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Well, I think there's a lot to like about the Packers. Still some question marks that we'll want to watch early in the season, but we can see why they're a favorite to repeat as NFC North champs. But the challenger that might give them the best run for their money would be the fourth and final team we're going to touch on today, the Minnesota Vikings. So let's take a look at their odds at BetUS for the 2021 season to challenge the Packers in the NFC North potentially. The Vikings are a plus 225 underdog. Regular season wins a flat nine. And Chris, when we look at the Vikings, uh, as much as offense is the name of the game in the NFL in 2021, it's their defense that may ultimately determine their fate in the NFC.
2: The, yeah, you're going to see big changes this year. Uh, you know, one comment I'd, I'd like to make is I noticed it doing uh, looking at the Minnesota schedule today is all four of these teams are favored in fewer number of games than their win total. So none of these teams are favored in more games than their win total. So just a reminder to everybody to always try to gravitate and look for unders because you're you're always gonna lose you're gonna lose value trying to bet overs because too many people like to bet over so there's like a little built-in juice uh, in yeah. betting overs in general that's especially true with player props and uh, all and totals all that kind but people forget the Vikings have a good foundation for a great defense. You know, everybody knows about their offense, but Zimmer was quoted. He said, this is the worst defense I've ever seen. So they they finished number 32 in my metrics. Uh, number 11 offensively, I think some might've thought it might've been higher, but you gotta remember Thielen was out, Cook was out. This team is scary uh, offensively. I mean, they really are scary. And they're going to be playing an easier schedule this year. They're going to get a lot of people back on defense. Uh, it, 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 if they can just get adequate, you know, people underrate Cousins. Cousins had a monster year last year. He's 35 touchdowns, only 13 picks, completed 68% of his passes. And, you know, another unique stat that I heard this morning is he has the exact same success ratio, whether he's under pressure or whether he's in the pocket because and that's very odd because usually the quarterbacks have much different stats based on their comfort level and and he's just a steady eddy type of guy and he gets and obviously with what's going on with COVID and stuff maybe he's getting more flack than normal. Uh, so, you know, that's my initial look at Minnesota. What do you think Scott? Well, I agree with you.
1: I was really shocked last year, Zimmer being such a defensive guy. They've always had great defensive players and great defensive teams. And, you know, they basically let everybody go almost in the secondary, and that secondary was just a mess. And then you add in, you know, Daniel Hunter gets hurt. Anthony Barr gets hurt. Eric Kendricks gets hurt. hurt. And, you know, to your point, Chris, they're, you know, they're bringing back Hunter. He's probably the the most valuable out of all of them. Barr and Kendricks have been good. Uh, Barr's kind of Regressed a little bit in the last few years, but Hunter will be a big, uh, you know, guy coming back for them. The offense, like you said, it, it's lights out. Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, if he duplicates what he did last year, this offense is is going to be very good. Uh, and then it really comes down to the secondary. I know they bring over Patrick Peterson. I believe, you know, Peterson. I think is okay. Uh, I don't think he's fantastic anymore, but. Um, you know, if that secondary can improve, then I think, you know, that defense has a chance to get back to something similar that we've seen with a Mike Zimmer defense in the past, because last year that was not a Mike Zimmer defense at all. No. Yeah. But you,
2: the, the, the oldest cornerback quarter, was 23 years old last year. So right. and, and as, I, as I mentioned earlier, that's the hardest position to learn. So they've got a year under their belt. They've got returning players that were either injured or opt-outs. This defense is going, is going to be expected to be, you know, a, a top 10 to top 15 defense. And that's a huge difference from number 32 last year.
0: Yeah, and Chris, you mentioned cornerback maybe being the hardest position to learn. It also might be the hardest scheme to learn the hardest position because Zimmer's famous for having a really tough scheme to pick up on. So with a lot of these young guys, it's not just the general development, but developing in this system specifically, we could see the Vikings secondary prime for a lot of, you know, even bigger year two leaps than we would typically see. And Scott, to your point about the facelift for the front seven, I'd like to underscore that because they, you know, in addition to guys like hunter and kendrickson and um uh, some names these aren't household names but i'll mention them because i think small upgrades across the board can amount to a big upgrade overall so they're also adding guys like galvin tomlinson michael pierce everson griffin back in the fold in minnesota and something i came across from pain insider that i found really interesting he mentioned that last year the vikings had the lowest pressure rate of any team in the league since 2012 and if we look at a guy like hunter across the NFL in 2018 and 2019 combined, he had the most quarterback pressures. So we could see a lot of maturation in the secondary and just a huge facelift could make it, you know, night and day up front for the Vikings this year as well.
1: To your point, Matt, 48 sacks in 2018, 23 sacks last year in 2019. And that was was a huge difference for him. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Pierce was a COVID casualty last year where he sat out. uh, So that's just another body that wasn't there at all last year, if I'm right on that.
2: You know, and here's another team where you gotta look at special teams again. They were uh, number 31st in the league in in special teams. Uh, How does this Dan Bailey get a job? He was 15 for 22. I remember when he was at Dallas before, and I just laughed that he got a job after leaving Dallas because I don't know how they have him in the league still. So uh, that's something that they have to uh, definitely improve on. Well, there's nowhere to go but up. And another key, number one home field advantage in the league, right side by side with Seattle. They had no fans last year, so they had a big drop off. They, they have fans this year, and they matter in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, Chris, what do you make of that? Because I know for a couple of years before, we didn't have fans in the stands for a lot of last season. Um, home field advantage was said to be on the decline, but there are still teams like the Vikings that have, you know, a real big difference with their home crowd. Do you bump them right back up to their priors before 2020, or do you move it somewhere in the middle, but maybe give them a, a notch or two up compared to most other teams?
2: Oh, I think uh, I think I think the team is extremely optimistic. I think the fans are very optimistic. I think they're going to be there there's gonna be a big push. Honestly, I wanted to kind of like be anti-Vikings when I looked into this team because there's just too many people kind of, there are a lot of people that think the Vikings won't be good, uh, but it seems like there's more people that think the Vikings are gonna be really good. And for whatever reason, I wanted to get predispositioned to, to be against the Vikings. And it's really hard to be against the Vikings. They're playing a much easier schedule this year uh, and they've got the fans. That defense is going to be a hell of a lot better if they can just. There's, to me, when I was betting against Minnesota, watching Cook and Thielen and Cousins and Jefferson, it just scared the crap out of me. So they have a they have a hell of a lot more than the vast majority of these teams have as far as the notable players. It's a matter of the the nuts and the bolts, and and one of the problems is they've had 38 draft picks in the last three years. Why are they only just a playoff contender? Their last draft, they're gonna be lucky if one of these guys makes the starting lineup this year. And if you look back for the last 11 years, they've got 114 draft picks and they're not, what do they do with that many draft picks every year that you can't be in a playoff team? So there, there's something wrong with the, with the players they're bringing in too.
0: Yeah, well, Scott, when it comes to their prospects of being a playoff team, Chris also touched on the schedule this year. Walk us through what you see with their schedule and and some of the underlying metrics that might shape our opinion on how likely they are to become a playoff team and and maybe make a deep run in the playoffs this coming season.
1: Yeah, so if we look at their their Pythagorean numbers as well, uh, Matt, so last year the Vikings win seven games. That translated to uh, about 7.1 wins. Uh, and then if we extrapolate that again over 17 games, that's seven and a half wins. So that's that's below the nine wins that we've set the over under mark at. Um, however, obviously as we spoke, uh, they're going to get some defensive guys back. You know, they're five and four in close games. Nothing special there. Uh, Chris kind of alluded to it. The schedule. 22nd pretty pedestrian there and if we look at all the lines projected for them over the 17 weeks of this season translates to 9.2 which gets us right where their over under number is the thing that I will look for so it's a bad offensive line uh, I don't know that it's getting tremendously better they did draft uh, the uh, the tackle from Virginia Tech in the first round uh, so maybe that adds and helps that uh, and so you know we'll see what happens there the secondary's got to improve they get some of those guys back. The other key factor for me is Kirk Cousins, and this is not all on Kirk Cousins, but he's been there for three years now. And when he has played teams that won 10 or more games in a league, he has gone 0-6, 1-5, and 1-6 straight up. Uh, That is 2-17 straight up. Uh, in games against teams that won 10 or more games, which is very good teams. And they're 24 and six straight up against all other teams. So they take care of business other than against the elite teams. Uh, But as Chris said, thankfully, I think they only play six games against teams that are projected to win 10 plus games this year. Um, So it's a relatively easier schedule. And if they can make any improvement on the defensive side of the ball as well, and they have a legitimate chance to be very good here you know they went into green bay green bay's one loss under matt Lafleur within a division was to the vikings last year a little bit of a, a win game that maybe derailed the the packers offense a little bit but um you know for the most part they can challenge green bay they can definitely challenge green bay if they can improve that defense and get it back to some sort of standards that we've seen in the past with the vikings and you know
2: it's it's they're going to control their own destiny. The the they're they're backloaded with a difficult schedule at the back. So uh, don't get uh, overconfident that this is a monster team uh, if they start off with a really good start uh, because they finished four out of their last six games against the division. They play uh, Pittsburgh and, and the Rams and San Francisco. Uh, uh, or they they play P- Pittsburgh and the Rams on that in the final six, and then if you go back eight games, they've got Green Bay and San Francisco. So it they, it finishes rough for them.
0: Yeah, I think with it, the NFC. Oh, go ahead, Scott.
1: I, I was just going to say it's a good point, Chris. I mean, things I I'm looking at their schedule here. So Cincinnati, Arizona, Seattle, Cleveland. Obviously, those two teams pretty good. Detroit, California. Uh, California. Yeah, they, they
2: get those. Uh, they get them at home. Remember
1: yeah and and but, let's just say their defense isn't that good. You may not see that exposed uh, on this first part of the schedule, and you might have some opportunities to play against them, obviously, um just because they're not facing great offensive juggernauts, you know, Cincinnati, Detroit, Carolina. So those are just things to kind of look for within the schedule. Are there things that are just being uh, you know kind of covered up because of the level of the schedule that maybe you can take advantage of uh, later in the season?
0: Yeah. Yeah, as you guys walk through a lot of what's coming Minnesota's way later in the season, I'm reminded of the NFC East preview we did and touching on a lot of head-to-head matchups in that division. That's uh, that's one that will probably hinge the most on, you know, some late-season matchups in terms of who's going to win the NFC East. In the NFC North, it could be a pretty similar dynamic, and we can take a look at the outright odds to win the division because, once again, the Packers, a heavy favorite to go ahead and repeat, but we talked about a few reasons why the Vikings might give them a run for their money. So to level set here, the Packers, again, minus 175, the Vikings, plus 225, and then the Bears, plus 500. Detroit, obviously, a little ways back at 22 to 1. So overall in in the NFC North, it might be a two-horse race, but, you know, stranger things have happened. So we'll see what happens. It might take a lot of uh, the late-season matchups to really shape the ultimate outcome here. And I think we can get into a few leans to close out the show. I don't think any of us have any bets at the moment in this division. Um, I'll go ahead and kick it off just because it's the team we've been talking about for the last few minutes, the Minnesota Vikings. I do lean over nine for them. I really think we're going to see a big improvement from the defense. I love the skill positions on the offense. Home field advantage, Chris, you touched on it. Getting that back could be much bigger for Minnesota than most other teams. But in terms of why it's just a lean, Scott, you touched on some offensive line concerns. I mean, Christian Darisel, their first round left tackle pick, uh, already had to have a surprise second surgery for a core muscle injury. That kind of blindsided Mike Zimmer from the looks of it. And we know that Kirk Cousins can do a lot when things are set up well for him, but he's not the best creator under Havoc. So a little bit of trepidation about the Vikings up front on offense. And really, it all boils down to the price. As bullish as I feel about Minnesota, I think at the current number, it's safe to say the market's caught up. It had been lower earlier in the offseason, but at a flat nine, just a lean to the over for me on Minnesota. I know you guys had under leans on Chicago. So Chris and Scott, any final thoughts just to tie a bow around why you lean that way with the Bears?
2: I think, you know what? I'm starting to like Minnesota more, and I'm starting to see why the wheels could come off the bus in Green Bay. You know what? I I think the Green Bay fans are sick and tired of Rogers thick and uh, I'm sick of it. I think everybody's sick of it. And uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with Green Bay and, I, it, you know, there might be a domino effect that, uh, you know, Minnesota can take advantage of within the division. So I would kind of lean over. Uh, I'm considering a wager on the Bears under, but if the wheels come off the bus with Green Bay, well, there's, there's you know, the, that there's not a r- lot of room for error on that under the, the Lions. I said I could only go under, but I'm going to leave that alone because it's my home team and uh that's that's my outlook. I certainly wouldn't be going over on Green Bay. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and my lean on the under in Chicago is just
1: simply this team did not perform well uh, against really good teams and they're gonna play a lot more good teams this year than they did last year. Um, and uh, that, that's really it right there. I mean, they're, they're just gonna play a much tougher schedule. Um, and so I, I see a little bit of value there, not enough to make it a bet, but uh, I'll, I'll lean under their season
0: wins got it sounds good well chris and scott as always appreciate your insight here and i'd like to thank the audience as we start to wrap this up for tuning in to the bet us nfl show if you're watching this or listening to it in podcast form and you have any thoughts questions or topics for future videos feel free to let us know again if you're watching on youtube leave a comment in the video if you're listening in podcast form you can reach out to us on twitter you can follow chris on twitter at las vegas chris that's c-r-i-s scott is at sixth sense nfl i'm at M landis 18 and for those of you watching on youtube you know the drill please go ahead and subscribe to the bet us youtube channel and hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on any of the action and if you like what you if you like what we're doing and uh again I, I always like to say if you've made it this far you probably do please take a quick moment to give this video a thumbs up that really helps us out and last but not least Don't forget to use the promo code NFL2021 when signing up at BetUS to claim your 125% sign-up bonus, exclusive for sports betting, good up to $2,500. All right, and as we sign off, a friendly reminder, we are here with you every Tuesday and Friday throughout the season. So next up, it's going to be the AFC South on Tuesday. We'll see you then right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.